0: This is Make it kind. M I P. With Masamela Matfumo. Mark Thompson. Make it Get woke. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code Program for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Ladies and gentlemen, as many of you know, I am on the board of the Selma Bridge Crossing Jubilee. And about a month ago, we were attending the Selma Bridge Crossing Jubilee board. We were attending, taking part in a board retreat in Montgomery, Alabama. And it was a small world. We were all staying at a hotel and bumped into a wonderful Group of people involved in an art exhibit in Montgomery. Got a chance to meet a few of them. We're going to hear all about this powerful art exhibition at the Montgomery Museum of Fine Arts. It's called A Site of Struggle American Art Against Anti Black Violence. And I didn't just meet any old involved in this, met several people involved, including the curator herself of the exhibit, and we really hit it off love her. She has the same first name as my mom, by the way. But just to let you know who she is, I'm gonna talk about this great exhibit that will be on display at the Montgomery Museum of Fine Arts through the middle of November. And want you to get by to see it and tell friends and family to check it out. But the curator is the Stephen and Lisa Munster Tannenbaum, Curator of Modern and Contemporary Art at the Block Museum of Art in Northwestern University. So ladies and gentlemen, we invite you to meet the curator of A Site of Struggle, American Art Against Anti-Black Violence that exhibited the Montgomery Museum of Fine Arts, the curator Janet Dees, we're honored to have join us on MIP on Make It Plain. Janet, how are you?
1: I'm doing well, and very honored for the invitation to be on the show with you.
0: It's a, it's an honor to have you. It was great to meet you, and while it was not on the schedule, we actually had our retreat, ladies and gentlemen, at Brian Stevenson's museum in montgomery dedicated to our experience and to lynchings and then hear about this one i just made time to run over there and see it and it is something else and very very powerful as well the exhibit focuses on race racial violence and art How did this concept even come to be, Janet?
1: For me, art exhibitions, number one, start with art. So there was two two works of art, which I could talk about in more detail later, um, that haunted me. Going back over 20 years that were engaging with this topic, it was important, particularly in this moment, to do an exhibition that would both examine how art could be a vehicle to help us get a deeper understanding of the deep roots of racial violence within our country and also that can show the way in which art has been used to not only protest this violence historically but also as a vehicle for processing and mourning and also memorializing victims of this violence.
0: And this exhibit has been something it took several years to Uh, pull this together. Tell us about your process of curing.
1: Yeah. So this is an exhibition that has been over six years, about six years in the making in terms of dedicated time. So I think when people hear that there's an exhibition that's being presented on this subject matter now, there might, the first inclination might be to think that it was done in response to the incidents of 2020 and the lawyer, George Floyd, but the kind of point of the exhibition is that um, racial violence has been something that we have been grappling with for the entire history of, of our country. And for many of those years, artists have created sort of creative ways of engaging with this violence by to protest it and to raise awareness about it. So it started when I actually came to interview for my job, at Northwestern in 2015, the seat of this exhibition was already with me then. And the research for the exhibition really took two tracks. One, about the con- what the content should be. And the second was about developing a series of best practices to present this work in the context of an art museum, to so understand that going to see this exhibition is not like going to see a Monet or, or flowers, and that there's great psychological and emotional weight. And how do we you support visitors in that experience?
0: And you're right. I hope the audience caught that this is not a reaction per se to 2020 when this reckoning, so to speak, took place. This has been a part. Has always been a part of our history, has it not?
1: Yes, that's correct. And so the exhibition itself looks at the years between, say, the rise of anti-lynching activism in the 1890s and ending, actually, with the founding of Black Lives Matter in 2013. So in some ways, it's presenting a prehistory of our present moment that allows us to put our our present um, moment into a longer historical context.
0: And if we know anything about history, folks, inevitably, many of us do at some point, I'm sure in school and some class, we've run across the history of lynching, particularly Ida B. Wells' early work, some of Du Bois' even early work. Mm -hmm. That, all of that is a part, the red record, all of that is a part of the exhibition, right?
1: That's right. The oldest object in the exhibition is actually an original copy of Ida B. Wells' 1895 pamphlet, A Red Record, that was the result of three years of her investigative journalism and research into the alleged causes of lynching in the United States, in which she meticulously recorded these acts of violence.
0: So you said you, an original copy of the pamphlet.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Folks, we don't want to take that again. This is the curator. So we want to know, how did you come by an <laughs> original pamphlet? I mean, there has to be a process into it. We can all come in. Whoa, well, this would, be, this would be nice to have in an exhibit. But it's your job to go out and find these items, isn't it? And secure that,
1: That's correct. Yeah. You know, so, your heart. yeah. So there are a few <laughs> archives in the country that do have original copies in their possession. This particular one that we were able to secure from the exhibition. It's from the University of Michigan libraries. And they, given that work, gracious enough to lend it to us for the exhibition.
0: That's more than outstanding. Of course, this is in Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Again, folks, we're looking at the history of, of racist violence, racial violence. It struck me at the very beginning. It may have been the first thing I saw part of the exhibit, the acknowledgement of the four little girls killed in the 16th Street Baptist church bombing in Birmingham. And that there's a wreath, there's a black wreath, Mm -hmm. and then there are shoes and items that appear to have been the types of things that would have belonged to little girls on the floor beneath that wreath.
1: Yeah. Yes, that's a work by the African-American artist Howardina Pindell entitled Four Little Girls. And it's one of two works in the exhibition that serves as a memorial to the, the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing and to their lives. And it's not lost on me that we're actually, today, we're, that we're recording this, we're speaking on September 15th, which is the 59th anniversary of that. Um, yeah, and of that tragic loss and of that crime. That work is in a section of the exhibition entitled Abstraction and Affect, and it's one of several works that, let me backtrack a second i think also too when you hear that the show is investigating this issue of racial violence one might think that all of the artworks would be very graphic in nature but one of the things i was interested in exploring is the different strategies that artists have used to engage with this issue and so the Howardena pendel work that you mentioned paul Rucker's work which is also a memorial to the four little girls are all in a section called Abstraction and Affect. And this is a section that explores the ways that artists have used um, sort of non-representational ways or abstract ways to cause it, bring attention to this violence, but also honor the lives of those that have been lost.
0: I'm using my phone as my cheat sheet and cause I took pictures of the exhibit. So by the way, I was sneaking around taking pictures because I didn't know if you could at first. And I realized later on that you could, Mm -hmm. but knew we would be talking. So you should have seen me trying to be slick while the security (laughs) guards, I'm just trying to take pictures with the phone. But I got them. I don't remember. So what I'm about to ask you, there's one other, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, well, there's several others, but one I want to focus on at the moment. And I'm not sure whether this was in the abstract section, and I think it was, but the exhibit with the fire hoses, I think that was in that same area as well, if I'm not mistaken. Tell us about that
1: one. Yes, that was also in that abstraction affect section. That was by a Chicago-based artist, the Fyaster Gates, also an African-American artist. It's a piece called Minority Majority. And this strategy of using fire hoses in work is something that he has been engaged with for, for a long time. And for him, the material... Um, of the fire hose is directly related to that use of a fire hose as a weapon against protesters and particularly, we you know, those uh, civil rights protesters. So there was a way, again, of evoking that violence, right, through the use of that particular material without creating a sort of direct graphic depiction of that.
0: And there was one in particular where there's holes behind the glass as mm-hmm. if there were it was buildings have those and it says in case of emergency okay yeah. yeah.
1: the race riot
0: yeah it's a race war. riot that's yeah. what he called it and i was like wow okay so we definitely get this uh, get this connection there is there are also some very graphic pieces of art which actually depict a lynching or lynchings. One in particular, I believe this is correct, where there's someone, well, I, it's strange fruit. That's what it's called. Mm-hmm. We know the Billy Holiday song. Tell us about the piece of art though.
1: Yeah. First that there, so I said that you know, the exhibition is in three sections. We talked about abstraction. And this section that you you have brought attention to is entitled "A Red Record" after Ida B. Wells's pamphlet, and it focuses on the ways in which artists have used more graphic depictions to engage with this, to engage with the issue of racial violence. And so that particular um, work that you mentioned is entitled "Strange Fruit" by the African American artist Allison Zar, and it's named after the Poem made famous in song by Billie Holiday about lynching in the South. With this work, I'm trying to think what is depicted. Is she was really actually interested in or influenced, I should say, by a Luba sculpture, African sculpture, Luba sculpture, in which wooden forms of the body are carved, but that there also are sort of healing herbs and other items are put into the belly of the figure as a way of kind of counteracting harm. So with this work in which you see the form of a woman hanging upside down, it's meant both to evoke the physical violence, also the kind of psychological violence of women living up, being assaulted with beauty standards that they, a European beauty standards, in addition to physical violence, but then at the same time, trying to evoke a kind of healing through the use of the Luba sculptural form.
2: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
0: There are a number of incredible pieces, including another sculpture. One of the, there are a number of renowned artists that are, whose works are part of this exhibit, ladies and gentlemen, one whose name I know will stand out is that of Elizabeth Catlett, um, and her piece, Target Practice. Incredible.
1: Yes. And that was, we also, it's been humbling the support of the institutions that have supported this exhibition. So that's on loan from the Amistad Research Center for African-American Culture that's based in New Orleans. That's a work of Catlitz from 1970.
0: And it looks, so folks, if you can imagine, and this is another story we're working on, the whole controversy, you all around the Benin bronzes mm. that Germany has, and we know the queen has passed, people looking for the artwork back. We should get it, all right? There's valuable pieces that we have. Maybe Jan will be the curator there going to the Buckingham Palace, getting our art back. Uh, <laughs> I should say that I won't get you in trouble. But I... will yeah. <laughs> help you if you need it. Uh, I got it back. yeah looking like, oh my God, what are you doing? But, uh, <laughs> the... So this looks like one of those iconic African... Bus bronze sculptures. And then there is a target, like a gun sight. Yes. Right in front of this piece. Mm -hmm. And that's now, and this was, if I'm not mistaken, this was something, this is a piece of art going back. It is a bronze, a piece of art dated in
1: 1970. 1970. It's over 50 years ago. That's right. Mm-hmm.
0: This has been our reality. and I'm just going to point out a few others that just stood out to me, folks. You really have to go and see this exhibit. Another one is their paintings, sketches, a lithograph entitled Lovers by Ernest Critchlow. Am I pronouncing his name correctly? That's correct. Talk to us about that and because it actually is a it's a figure of a member of the Ku Klux Klan in this one.
1: Yes. So this piece is by the African American artist Ernest Krichlow. It was created in the 1930s. And it's a work that is focusing on the ways in which Uh, the specific ways in which African-American women were the targets of violence, and particularly sexual violence, which is something that um, wasn't always as widely addressed or as we think about when we think about this. And so, as you said, the piece depicts, the title Lovers is meant to be ironic, obviously. It's dark, at least satirical, of a uh, Black woman being attacked by a man in a Ku Klux Klan robe, oh. And its positioned actually um, next to or across from a work by um, a white artist named George Biddle from the same time period, work called Alabama Code, that he created as a protest print to support the defendants in the Scottsboro case and wanted to bring light to the ways in which the white male patriarchal control of white women's sexuality was resulting in wrongful uh, accus- wrongful accusations against black men. So I thought these two works being in conversation with each other was important.
0: No, it definitely contrast because the Ku Klux Klan men committing sexual assault against a black woman is paradoxical to the narrative. The Ku Klux Klan lynched those of us who were black men just for being accused of or looking allegedly as white we- at white women, and then the lithograph by Biddle, Alabama Code. The rest of that title is Alabama Code. Our girls don't sleep with niggers. All right, we were lynched for false accusations of sexual violence while they were carrying. I've said before that the history of sexual violence in America begins when those first settlers arrives, sexual assault of the indigenous women and then sexual assault of enslaved African-American women. So that is an important. And so we talk about racial violence. It's not just lynching, but it is also the degree of sexual assault that that was uh, in involved. Then also the exhibit has the Walter Quirk oil painting, which talks about medicalized violence, medical experimentation on Black women, doesn't it? In
1: that particular painting, it's I think it's all male figures that are depicted.
0: I'm sorry. Okay. Man, yeah. okay. but Walter,
1: yeah. The Walter clerk, the thesis entitled in the clinic. And this was also from the thirties. And in this court was, as you said, drawing attention to medicalized violence against African Americans and making this equation with lynching. There is a lunch figure in the back of that painting. So he's making that connection, but also court was, interested in trying to break down barriers between white working class and poor poor whites and african americans to try to work to show how our the where our plights were aligned and trying to call for collaboration amongst those groups of people
0: the untitled watercolor by norman lewis again we focus on 2020 this piece untitled police meeting was in 1943, 80 years ago. This is how long we've been dealing with police violence. Tell us a little bit about Norman Lewis.
1: Yeah, Norman Lewis, also African-American painter who actually later was known for more abstract work, but in the 40s did a lot of work that was focusing on interracial interactions of all kinds, but particularly this painting focuses on, as you said, a police feeding of an African-American man, and particularly in this period, thinking about Black soldiers who were returning, who had engaged in World War II, and how they were disproportionately targets of violence because they're coming back with a a sense of empowerment and the extra effort that was being taken to try to terrorize them.
0: Carrie Mae Weems' Mirror, another renowned name in in art. Carrie Mae Weems, tell us about that.
1: Sure, so Carrie Mae Weems' Mirror is a work that's in the third and final section that what we're talking about. That's called Written on the Body. And this is a section that explores sort of the psychological impacts of violence, both uh, physical violence. So, thinking about things like what happens in the wake, those who are left behind in the wake of a violent act, but also psychological violence. And so, this particular piece, Mirror, is a riff off of the Snow White fairy tale where she's a mirror on the wall who's the the fairest of them all and i don't know that if i can curse in your podcast but it says
0: snow cuts away cuts away
1: oh okay (laughs) it says the title says snow white and black bitch and don't you forget it so again it's this way of mirroring the sort of assault against African American beauty that we face within society and popular culture, but getting through it with this very direct artwork.
0: Yeah, no. Th- again, another powerful piece. Just a couple more. I want to highlight. We really want you all to go and check this out. The Erased Lynching Series. Mm-hmm. That that was compelling as well. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yes, yeah, so the Erased Lynching Series by Ken Gonzalez-Day, is actually part of a group. So there's a race lynching series, there's a piece by Kerry James Marshall, and another work by Reginald Marsh that all, instead of focusing on African Americans as the victims of violence, are focusing on whites as perpetrators and spectators to this violence and how they're socialized into racial violence. So this series, Erased Lynching, appropriates historic lynching photographs but then the artist goes in and digitally erases the bodies of the victims, so that what you are looking at are the crowds who are assembled, watching these acts and participating in these acts. And these I have found have been very, particularly white visitors have found this work and others in that section. It hits them in the heart because it's this that con- confronting with this sort of legacy of engaging, this kind of legacy of being perpetrators or spectators and being socialized into this violence.
0: Yeah. You also lastly have some Daryl Cowherd piece, I think at least one and maybe more than one, Grant Park in Chicago and that project. I actually know him His daughter and and I, in fact, because I texted her while I called her and said, you know your dad's in here? His daughter and I are close friends, but he's there also.
1: Yeah, we have there are two photographs in the exhibition by Daryl Coward. That's right. He's been such a great supporter of the exhibition in lending his rights to his images to be reproduced in terms of publicity around the exhibition in addition to these two works from museum collections be included. So the piece that you're referring to, I think it's Gage Park, takes place in Gage Park. And these works are from the 1960s when Coward was based in Chicago and very active in the Black arts movement there. And they're photographs documenting some of the, the neo-Nazi and anti-segregation marches anti-integration marches that were taking place at that time, particularly in the wake of Dr. King's efforts to try to work on the desegregation of housing in the city.
0: And that very famous trip that he took to Chicago and the reactions, some of you have seen those films, the violent reactions to Dr. King's visit. This exhibit, is at the Montgomery Museum of Fine Arts until November
1: 6th. November the 6th.
0: November the 6th. So folks, it's time to go see So what happens next? Is this going to go to other... This is so powerful. We hate to see it in here. Is it going to go to other cities?
1: So it's not going to go to other cities. It originated at the block in Northwestern. It opened there in January. It was up there till July. And then it's been in Montgomery since August through, and it'll close on November 6th. But there is a publication that accompanies the exhibition that will, right. allow allows it to live on afterwards.
0: Yeah, and it is an excellent publication, by the way. How can people get the publication? Is it available online or anything?
1: Yes, the publication is, it's available at the museum, at the Montgomery Museum of Fine Arts. If you go there, you can buy it, I think, through their website. You can buy it through the Block Museum of Art's website. It's distributed through Princeton University Press. So you can get it directly through them. I think other kind of online retailers as well.
0: Yeah, a must-see and a must-have.
2: What's spring like in Park City, Utah?
0: Lastly, what, for those who see the exhibit, see the publication, become immersed in it, Janet Dees, what message do you want them to have, to gain from this experience?
1: Um, I think there are maybe two key key messages I'd like people to take away. One. Very humbly is to be able just to think about art as a resource, both in the continued fight against racial violence, but also as a way of, of processing and mourning and working with our own grief. And I think, secondly, to um, see how art history can help you get this deeper understanding of the, long, the longevity and the long durée of this violence, and that any, that kind of knowledge needs to be taken into any action that do in the present to work towards a safer um, society for all of us. One of the things that you will encounter at the Montgomery Museum of Fine Arts is a visitor's guide that lists different resources. So if you're moved and you're like seeing this and you're like, now what? That lists different resources within that city, places like EJI or the Southern Poverty Law Center where you can support or get involved organizations in the community that are already doing that work. And we did the same thing when it was on view at the block. What are local organizations that are already engaged in that work that you can support? And so to think about that, if you're visiting from somewhere else to then think about what what folks in your own city are doing that you can get involved with and support.
0: What's your next project? Madam Curator, what are you?
1: Oh, (laughs) 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 my next.
0: Besides, was I the one I just tried to give you by going to Europe, getting our story?
1: Yes, I'm not touching that. I am currently in the beginning of working with three other colleagues and um, some other collaborators on an exhibition project that focuses on the region where I live in the Chicagoland area and looking at the art history of that region from an indigenous perspective. So that's what I'm working on right now.
0: All right. Wonderful. And we look forward to hearing much more from you. Black art is so important, how it's portrayed, how we see it, how we view it. And folks, this is, this is, a struggle. And we still live in a space where we must tell our stories and they must be revealed through our eyes. And the only way people can actually learn and change and progress many times is by seeing through the experiences of others. And what better way to see than through art? The work you do, Janet Dees, as a curator, is also, as far as I'm concerned, part of the good Lord's work, and we honor and thank you for doing all that you do. The Montgomery Museum of Fine Arts, a site of struggle, American art against anti-Black violence, and you can go to www.mmfa.org to find out more and see about the publication as well. We invite you to check that out. Janet Dees, we so thank you for joining us on Make It Plain.
1: Thank you, Reverend Mark.